Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the criminal trial stemming from the tragic death of Ahmad Arbery, a 25-year-old black man who was pursued by three white men, Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan, and was eventually shot to death by one of those men, Travis McMichael. With verdicts of guilty rendered against the three defendants, we continue our complete coverage of the trial from gavel to gavel. In our last episode, we examined Glynn County investigator Stephen Lowry's testimony regarding his interview with defendant William Roddy Bryan on February 23, 2020, the day Ahmaud Arbery was killed. On today's episode, we listen to the questioning of Georgia Bureau of Investigation Assistant Special Agent in Charge, Jason Sechrist. Agent Sechrist conducted two interviews with William Bryan on May 11 and May 13 of 2020, two and a half months after Mr. Arbery's killing. We will bring all of that to you after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Prosecutor Larissa Olivier begins the questioning of GBI agent Jason Sechrist by eliciting testimony setting the context for Agent Sechrist's interviews with defendant William Bryan. Agent Sechrist explains that Mr. Bryan's attorney, Kevin Goff, was present at both interviews. While the May 11 interview lasted approximately 90 minutes, Kevin Goff set a significant limitation on that meeting, telling Agent Sechrist that Mr. Bryan would only discuss events that happened after the day Ahmaud Arbery was killed. Nevertheless, during this conversation, Agent Sechrist did get permission to go into those prior events regarding three subjects. Bryan said he knew Greg McMichael from the neighborhood, but did not know Travis McMichael. Bryan said he never saw anything in Ahmaud Arbery's hands, and finally, Brian said that he had a general awareness of property crime in the Satilla Shores neighborhood, but nothing specific beyond the theft of a trailer from behind his truck and some items from the bed of his brother-in-law's truck. William Bryan revisited these topics in his far more expansive May 13th interview with Agent Sechrist. Bryan's defense attorney, Kevin Goff, who was also present for the May 13 interview, did not set a restriction on the topics that could be covered on that day. Prosecutor Larissa Olivier guides Agent Sechrist through those interview transcripts, beginning with William Bryan's account of his first sighting of Ahmaud Arbery on February 23, 2020. Uh, what did Mr. Bryan say he was doing on the day of the incident when he noticed something was going on? He was doing some work on his front porch. Okay, and what did he say caught his attention? Uh, someone running and the sound of a vehicle engine. Okay. And did Mr. Bryan say that he was listening to music or, or something like that? He did. He was uh, listening to music in his garage, um, which was on the opposite end of the house from where he was working outside. Okay. But he could still hear a vehicle engine coming by? That's correct. Okay. And he said he saw somebody running as well? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now, um, did he say he knew what was going on at that time? He did not. Mr. Bryan said... And for whatever reason, I don't. Well, I mean, at that point, 
I was like, okay, well, he's chasing him in the truck, whoever's in the truck, you know, and I'm figuring, I don't know. I don't know what's going on at that point, but I'm figuring something's wrong. And I, not really loud, but I said, you got him, you need help, something like that. Nobody could hear me though, I'm sure. Okay. And what did uh, Mr. Bryan do after that? He walked over and grabbed his keys. Okay, and where were his keys? His keys were in his kitchen, which he accessed through his door in the garage. Okay. Um, did you ask Mr. Bryan what made him grab his keys? I did. I asked, and why were you going back to your truck? Why were you grabbing your keys? Mr. Bryan responded, I guess just to go see what was going on, if anything needed to be done, if I could help, or whatever. I mean, I I didn't know. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know what I was doing. Okay. I asked, what was it that made you decide, I need to go get my key and get in my truck and see what's going on? Mr. Bryan responded, I really don't know. I said, okay. And then Mr. Bryan said, I, I, I can't answer that. I just, I don't know. It just, you know, I'm thinking through my mind that maybe he's done something. The guy running, and I just, I don't know. And uh, when he left his house, did he have a cell phone on him? Yes, ma'am, he did. Okay. And what, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about recognizing the truck in question? I said, okay, now real quick, just going to go back. You said you recognized the truck. Mr. Bryan said, uh-huh. I said, where did you recognize, how did you, why did you recognize the truck? Mr. Bryan responded, I mean, I've seen it in the neighborhood. I mean, at that time, I didn't know exactly why really I recognized it. I said, okay. Mr. Bryan said, I didn't know from what house or if it had, you know, just being in the neighborhood driving around, I didn't really put it together until afterwards. Did Mr. Bryan ever say that he heard Ahmad say anything during the chase? He never heard Ahmad say anything. Okay. And did Mr. Bryan ever mention trying to slow down Ahmad during the chase? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mr. Bryan stated, I figured if I'd slowed him down and got a picture that maybe something would happen in the end other than just him getting away and cops not knowing who he was. I say, I said, so... So then that kind of makes me want to ask, why did the cops need to know? Mr. Bryan replied, because I figured he had done something wrong. I didn't know for sure. I stated, okay, what made you think he had done, he might have done something wrong? Mr. Bryan responded, it was just instinct, man. I don't know. Now, Agent Seacrest, did Mr. Bryan say he felt Mr. Arbery needed to stop running? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And why did he feel that? Mr. Bryan stated, yeah, I just, I figured he stole something. I didn't know if he had shot somebody. I didn't, I didn't know what was up. So I asked Mr. Bryan, had you heard any gunshots or anything like that? Mr. Bryan responded, no. Did you ask Mr. Bryan whether he ever said anything to Ahmad when he was chasing him? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Did he say he said anything to Ahmad? No, ma'am. Okay. Um, what, if anything, did Mr. Bryan tell Ahmad regarding he, ne he needed to stop running? He didn't say anything. Okay. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan tell Ahmad about wanting to talk to him? Mr. Bryan anything? didn't say anything. Okay. 
what if anything did uh, Mr. Bryan tell Ahmad about wanting to arrest him for anything? Mr. Bryan didn't say anything. Now, did Mr. Bryan ever say anything about Ahmad turning to look at him right before he was shot and killed? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mr. Bryan stated, I think I remember seeing Ahmad turn around and look towards me, you know, pulling up or either almost pulled. No, I ain't quite stopped yet. I'm still back a good ways, I believe. Yeah, I'm still back a good ways. And then he runs around the right side or right hand side of the truck. And I figured at this point, he's going to cut the corner and go out on Satilla Drive. Is that what it's called? Okay. And at the point where Ahmad is near the second truck, did Mr. Bryan ever hear Ahmad say anything? No, ma'am. Did you ever ask Mr. Bryan if he saw Ahmad drop anything from his hands during the chase? I did. Okay. And what did he say? He said he didn't see him drop anything. After Agent Sechrist reads through transcript excerpts of his questioning of William Bryan about the events of February 23, 2020, he then moves on to his questions about property crime in the Satilla Shores neighborhood. Prosecutor Olivier asks Sechrist if Bryan was aware of security videos that captured Ahmaud Arbery walking through the under-construction property owned by Larry English at 220 Satilla Drive. Did you ask him if he had seen any of the videos? He said he had not seen any of the videos. Okay. Did you ask him if he even knew if the videos existed? I did. And what did he say? He didn't know anything about videos. Okay. Now, did you follow up with Mr. Bryan about his knowledge of thefts in Satilla Shores around the time Ahmad died? I did. Okay. I asked, okay. So just to get a clear picture, the only specific thefts at the time of this event that you knew about from what you told me are your trailer. Mr. Bryan responded, uh-huh. Then I stated, your, your brother-in-law, some stuff out of the bed of your brother-in-law's truck. Mr. Bryan responded, uh-huh. I stated, anything else specific? Mr. Bryan said, specific, no. I had heard that there had been some. And I, say, I stated, that's just in general? And Mr. Bryan said, in general. Prosecutor Olivier then asks Agent Sechrist to compare his interview with Mr. Bryan to the interview conducted by Glynn County investigator Stephen Lowry two and a half months earlier. What, if anything, did you notice in Mr. Bryan's statements to the Glynn County Police Department as it compared to his statements to you? His statements to the Glynn County Police Department were more direct in his involvement to corral and box in Mr. Arbery during the event. His statements to me minimized his um, involvement in that process that led to Mr. Arbery's death. After the sit-down interview on May 13th, William Bryan agreed to try to recreate his pursuit of Ahmad Arbery for Agent Sechrist. Bryan was joined in the GBI agent's vehicle by his attorney, Kevin Goff. In the next portion of his testimony, Agent Sechrist reads through transcripts of Brian's recorded statements as video from a camera mounted in between Sechrist and Brian and recording the image seen through the windshield plays for the jury. The sound from the video is muted. The first image we see is of William Bryan's driveway with Agent Sechrist turning his vehicle to the left onto the street in front of Brian's home. Brian is sitting in the passenger seat. Um. Agent Seacrest, what did Mr. Bryan say to you in your interview with him on May 13th 
regarding the moments when he left his driveway. Mr. Bryan stated, and you know, for whatever stupid reason again, I mean, there's going to be some reasons here that I don't understand why I did it. I jumped out in the road from my driveway at about the same time he got there. I asked, so you just, did you like straight out? Mr. Bryan responded, yeah. So I asked, so you didn't go left or right, you just kind of went straight. Mr. Bryan responded, straight, well maybe a tad to the left. I asked, angled a little bit, Mr. Bryan responded, just a tad. I said, okay, now why did you pull out and angle it to the left like that? Mr. Bryan responded, I guess so I could see. I said, okay, and what did you see? Mr. Bryan responded, and I'm thinking at this point, you know, I mean, it's running through my mind at this point, try to get a picture. I said, okay. Mr. Bryan said, but I hadn't got my phone out, I don't believe at this point. I said, okay. Mr. Bryan responded, all right, what did I see? I seen him run right, straight in front of my truck. I asked, around the hood? Mr. Bryan responded, around the hood, through the ditch. In the video, we see Agent Sechrist making a K-turn with his vehicle to simulate what Brian says he did with his truck to pursue Mr. Arbery as Mr. Arbery passed around the front of his truck. So at any point as he's describing going from his driveway to Burford Road, did Mr. Brian ever say that he tried to force, the, force Mr. Arbery into the ditch in front of his house? No, ma'am. Okay. Did he at any point say he tried to block him? No, ma'am. With these questions, Prosecutor Olivier is implicitly contrasting William Bryan's statements to Agent Sechrist with his statements two and a half months earlier to Glynn County investigator Stephen Lowry. And she is illustrating the idea that Bryan's later answers sought to minimize the aggressiveness of his pursuit of Mr. Arbery. The video moves on to the area of the neighborhood where defendant Brian maintains Ahmad Arbery tried to get in his truck. Did you talk to Mr. Brian about the circumstances surrounding his belief that Mr. Arbery tried to get into his truck somehow? I did. Okay. Mr. Brian said, he was just down there low, not in the road. He comes up out of there at about the time we get around a tree and we got really close to each other. I pull him past him. Mr. Bryan continued, all right, and he's coming. So I backed up to try to get straight. And at that point, he's on me. He's coming. He's on me. And I'm just like, man, I got to get out of here. So, I mean, I think I put it in drive or whatever at that point. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to haul ass. And he's on my door with his hands at the door handle. I hit gas, you know, keeping in mind, I'm not trying to swing the boards out the back, you know. So... In him describing that incident to you, at any point did Mr. Bryan say he tried to corner Ahmad? No, ma'am. At any point did he say he tried to cut him off or he had cut him off real good? No, ma'am. Okay. In your interview with him, did you confront Mr. Bryan about using the word block in his previous statement to the, the police officers? versus what he told you yes ma'am okay and what did he say i said uh-huh were you trying to because i think in your original statement and again i'm not trying to pin you down i'm just going back because i i have to listen to it all 
You talk about trying to box him in and do different things. Were you? Mr. Bryan responded, I figured if I slowed him down and got a picture, that maybe something would happen in the end, other than just him getting away and cops not knowing who he was. I responded, so, so that kind of makes me want to ask, why did the cops need to know? Mr. Bryan responded, because I figured he had done something wrong. I didn't know for sure. I said, okay, what made you think that he had done, that he might have done something wrong? Mr. Bryan responded, it was just instinct, man. I don't know. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Prosecutor Olivier then passes off the witness to Kevin Goff, William Bryan's attorney. You reached out to Mr. Bryan. I did. I knocked on his door. It wasn't Mr. Bryan looking for the spotlight. That's correct. And is it fair to say at this point that you needed his cooperation? I desired his cooperation, yes. You wanted it. You wanted his cooperation. Sure. And you noted that the media was already parked out front of Mr. Bryan's residence when you first attempted to make contact with him. Yes, the media was there. Do you recall being asked whether Mr. Bryan and his fiance related multiple occasions, incidents that gave them concern for their personal safety? Yes, sir. Would you describe Mr. Bryan as scared? Not of me. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean scared of you but scared generally. Because of the situation in the neighborhood, yes, sir. Okay. And you still need his help? I would like his assistance, yes. And the last thing you want Mr. Bryan to do is freak out. I don't want anybody to freak out. You certainly don't want him to shut down because you, you want his help. I'd like to get statements from anybody involved in an investigation. Yeah. Kevin Goff's initial strategy appears to be to seek to build sympathy for his client by guiding Agent Sechrist to evidence of William Bryan's cooperativeness and vulnerability in his interview with the GBI agent. I stated, I, I do appreciate you. You said you would call me back, and you did. And you said you wanted to talk, and you are. I appreciate that. I want to tell you thank you. Like I told Mr. Goff said, Kevin, and I responded, Kevin, yeah, it takes me a second sometimes. You know, at this point, you're, you're, you're a witness, you know. That's kind of what we've developed, or I shouldn't say developed, but determined by listening to all the evidence and the statements and watching videos. There are, there are things that we need to, that we have questions on, and that we'd like to, to, I guess, be a little more specific than what we've been able to see, you know. But I do appreciate you coming in. Goff's next questions seem to imply that Agent Sechrist lulled Brian into waiving his constitutional right against self-incrimination. Where was the Miranda form that you used on this occasion? He was not under arrest. Miranda is only required when somebody's being questioned while they're in custody. At no time was Mr. Brian in custody during these questioning. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was advised from the beginning 
that he was free to leave and that he was free to stop talking at any time, to which Mr. Goff was present during those conversations. Well, let's be clear. You were under no legal obligation to give Mr. Bryan Miranda rights, but you could have. There was no reason to. But you could have. I could do a lot of things, but there's no reason to read him Miranda if he is not in custody or there's no chance of him being put into custody at that time. You've never Mirandized somebody who wasn't in custody? I do a lot of different things depending on an investigation. The statutes and case law gives us parameters for which we have to work through. What I do in one case may be different than another based on the circumstances of that case. There's no straight cookie cutter approach to this. The point is to always get the information that's needed in the investigations that you can make a reasonable decision on charges should they be made or not. But in this case, there was a specific reason why you did not Mirandize Mr. Bryan. That's correct, because he was not in custody. Kevin Goff then pivots to challenging Agent Sechrist's implication that William Bryan sought to recharacterize the nature of his pursuit of Ahmaud Arbery. He asks the GBI agent whether Bryan ever denied angling his vehicle at Mr. Arbery. Agent Sechrist responds as follows. He never denied angling his vehicle in that direction. His choice of words changed drastically from the point of the Glynn County interview to the point of his interview with me. I'm sorry, did I ask you whether he changed his wording or did I ask you whether he denied angling his vehicle in front of Mr. Arbery? Objection, Your Honor. The witness is allowed to explain his answer, which I believe is what he just said. What a witness does is answer yes or no and then they can explain. Why don't you state your question again. Go ahead. Rodney Bryan never denied during his interview with you that he angled his vehicle ahead of Mr. Arbery. That's correct. He never denied. He just changed the descriptive words that he used in his involvement in the incident that day. Mr. Bryan let you know many times that he was struggling to remember events two and a half months later. Which is not uncommon for anybody that has to recall events afterwards. But it doesn't stop me from being able to ask the questions. That's my job as an investigator. Because you needed this reenactment video. Actually, you offered the video prior to the interview. You referenced that Mr. Bryan had a hard time remembering the path of travel in a narrative format and that he was willing to take that path of travel after the interview. So you took that as the green light to put words in Mr. Bryan's mouth. I never put words in Mr. Bryan's mouth. As he did with investigator Lowry, Goff then tries to suggest that Ahmaud Arbery perpetrated a crime against William Bryan on the day that he was killed. And like Lowry, Sechrist seems mystified by the suggestion. Specifically, Mr. Bryan had trouble recalling details about the carjacking. I don't know of a carjacking. Attempted carjacking? I don't know. I'm sorry, what do you call it when someone tries to get in your motor vehicle? You just cut the witness off, Your Honor. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Explain. I don't know of a carjacking. I know that if someone is being chased through a neighborhood, that there may be different ways that they may deal with that. Goff then seems to imply that it was Agent Sechrist's frustration with the faultiness of William Bryan's memory in his interviews that prompted him to have Bryan go through his statements multiple times. Basically, you had so much trouble with Mr. Bryan the first time you went through this with him, you had to start all over again. I wouldn't call it trouble. I would call it, again, it's been two and a half months. 
he had difficulty relaying the exact version of the path of travel. It was better to do a refresh to allow him to refresh his memory before we actually recorded it. The flip side would have been if we would have started recording and it was wrong, it would become more confusing. So the idea was to get the best recollection that Mr. Bryan had on the video. And then so prior to that, we did the refresh drive around to make sure that he kind of knew where he was. Goff next seems to suggest that Agent Sechrist was setting Bryan up to incriminate himself. When you're going through this part of this with Mr. Bryan, you have not told him that you're looking at an aggravated assault. At this point in time, I'm still looking at the case as a whole and what his involvement was. I wouldn't even say that specifically at this time I was thinking about aggravated assault. Goff goes through the reenactment video with Agent Sechrist and repeatedly suggests that GBI agent is directing William Bryan's route and his answers. You have to direct him further. I'm not going to use the word lead, but you have to direct him further. You ask him, does he run by you before you get over the right-hand lane? Do you remember? I'm asking him a question at which point he runs by him. He tells you, quote, I mean, what it, what it feels like, I mean. You didn't take that to reflect uncertainty as to his recollection? From the very beginning, Mr. Bryan indicated that he would try to the best of his ability to recall what had happened two and a half months before. I expected there to be some um, difficulty in trying to remember exact specific details. So it was not a surprise to me. Okay. Now, directing your attention to, I think it's the bottom of page seven, you're asking Mr. Bryan how fast he's going as he's trying to catch up with Mr. Arbery. Do you recall that? Yes, sir. And Mr. Bryan answers he doesn't think he's going more than 15. You remember that? I don't think he says that we're not going above 15. He asked me um, as I'm as I'm driving and we're getting to a speed, he says, yep, right about that. And I responded, and we're about 15 now. And he says, yeah. You ask him a question. And then at the bottom, he gives you an answer. And he starts out with, I have to look at the video again. But yeah, I think, I think I'm trying to stay or stay on my right side of the road because I'm quote unquote freaked out now. You remember that? I do. This question is only in relation to where in the road he is with his vehicle. So his being able to determine exactly whether he was all the way to the left, all the way to the right, into the center, needing to see the video for that kind of detail is not really relevant at this point. But if I was directing Mr. Bryan on what to do, I would have directed him them to go all the way to the end of the road before we did a turn around in the reenactment. But his memory was that he did not go down that far and he was trying to determine which area he pulled into to do the turnaround prior to going to the end of the road. Well, you'd agree it'd be a whole lot easier to figure out how much leading is going on here and how much direction and how much uncertainty there is if we had recorded the dress rehearsal as well. Goff proceeds to offer another example of what he suggests is Agent Secrets directing William Bryan. You're directing Mr. Roddy to tell you where he thinks he stopped prior to the shooting. That's not direction. That's a question. It starts with, are we? Um, I'm asking Mr. Bryan if we are at the location where he stopped. And Mr. Bryan tells you, I think I'm going to be a little closer. He actually starts off and confirms and says, yeah, 
and then says, I think I'm going to be a little bit closer. I think when we left the scene, I backed into the driveway. Kevin Goff next seeks to counter the notion that William Bryan was presumptuous in assuming that it was Mr. Arbery who had done something wrong as he ran past Bryan's home. Did Mr. Bryan tell you that Mr. Arbery called out to him, please call 911, there are crazy people after me? No, sir. Roddy Bryan told you that Mr. Arbery never said a word. That's correct. Did Mr. Bryan report Mr. Arbery, as he's passing in front of his home, making any gestures toward him? Like, help? No, sir. From the point where Mr. Arbery comes to his front yard, passing one set of bushes, crossing across the driveway, and out of view to the other set of bushes, in that time frame, what, if anything, does Mr. Bryan do? What, if anything, does Mr. Bryan say? What, if anything, does that picture suggest to Mr. Arbery that he could not seek help. In Mr. Bryan's statement, he actually says that he hollers out to the truck, y'all got him or you need help. So to me, that would indicate, and, and he indicates that he is speaking to the truck. So that to me would indicate that he was not there to help Mr. Arbery. Do you recall from your interview with Mr. Bryan, Mr. Bryan ever uh, saying that Arbery asked him to call 911. Yes, sir. In his next set of questions, defense attorney Goff appears to return to his earlier suggestion that it was Mr. Arbery who was attempting to commit a crime that day, not William Bryan. Mr. Bryan has told you at times that he feels like he's alone out there with Mr. Arbery. Yes, sir. After he cuts him off, tries to block him in, he says he realizes he's with him by himself. Okay. And when he's quote-unquote cornering Mr. Arbery, he's doing that by himself. That's correct. And is it fair to say that the first crime that Mr. Bryan saw that day, personally witnessed, would be Mr. Arbery trying to get in his truck? Unless you discount the fact that somebody was trying to chase Mr. Arbery down while he was legally running, jogging down the road. Well, he's trying to pull his vehicle away so that Mr. Arbery, that's what he told you, he's trying to pull away. The fastest he's traveled the whole time is to create distance between himself and Mr. Arbery. If Mr. Bryan was that concerned and scared about Mr. Arbery, he never would have angled to the left onto that driveway to try to box him off or cut him off to begin with. If Mr. Bryan was truly concerned about his safety with Mr. Arbery, he would have stayed to the right side of the road and stayed ahead instead of turning off to the angling to the left to box him in. Okay. In his final set of questions, Kevin Goff explores evidence related to two of the charges on which the jury would ultimately acquit William Bryan, the charges related to firearms. Mr. Bryan leaves his gun, his rifle, inside the house. Yes, inside the back bedroom, I would say a good distance from where his car keys were located. In any of the statements that you've reviewed that Mr. Bryan has ever made. He's adamantly denied having a firearm at any point on this day. That's correct. Okay. And certainly if Mr. Bryan were brandishing a rifle in his pickup truck while he's taking a video, how many hands does Mr. Bryan have? Two. Kind of hard to hold a gun, hold the steering wheel, and move a car while you're taking a video. 
That's correct. There's no doubt that whatever other people in this case may have done, Mr. Bryan came out there armed only with his cell phone. And his vehicle. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery. Join us on our next episode as we continue our examination of the state of Georgia's case against Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. Our consulting producer is Paul Butler. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music was provided by Strike Audio. Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery. <laughs>